I, uh, <clears throat> I had heard of the film, but I'd never seen it. It's a Christmas so-called classic known as It's a Wonderful Life. When it was first released, the film was a flop at the box office. Its lack of success caused the parent company to overlook even the copyright requirements for years, and the bad became the good. The cheap cost of showing the video made way for it to make its way onto the airwaves, and over the years, the message embedded itself in lives. It's a wonderful life made its way into our Christmas culture, and the plot is centered around a simple little community known as Bedford Falls. It opens with the memorable ringing of chapel bells and people praying for a man named George Bailey. Through the plot line, we are afforded the opportunity to see the main character's life from youth to adulthood. The show starts with the innocence of boyhood. We see his genuine care for his friends and family. He saves his brother when he falls through the ice. He defends the character of his father. During his job as a delivery boy, he saves another boy from poisoning when there's a pharmacy error and life goes on. His heart responds to the needs of the families of his little community called Bedford Falls. The conflict in the film arises when his goodwill is questioned about financial troubles. It's Christmas time when this whole problem arises and he goes home and takes his stress with him, and then takes it out on his family. To say he misses the reason for the season is an understatement. He turns to alcohol and then decides that he wants to end his own life. And in the midst of those difficult times, he utters this statement, I wish I'd never been born. In that moment, God in the script, has already sent an angel to be on assignment. That angel hears his wish and grants it. And George is afforded the opportunity for the next few moments to see what his world would be like if he had never been born. Have you ever wondered that about your own life? I wonder how things would turn out if. I wonder what life around here would be like if. Sometimes uh, I think we <clears throat> struggle with the real reality of how much impact our life has. The impact of that one single life is weaved into the plot line of the story and George begins to realize the error of his wish when he sees his picturesque little town turned into a place where sin seems to win and the town name is changed and the people that he knew so well, no longer know him or no longer seem to be the people that he knew. He feels the lives of those closest to him have turned upside down because his life wasn't lived. His brother's life, for instance, wasn't saved from the icy waters, so now there's no one to save the soldiers' lives in the future, and the homes that he built for people don't exist now. The druggist that he worked for now spends 20 years in jail because George isn't there to catch the error and he makes <clears throat> a child die as a result of the poison that he has given and on and on the impact of his life is made clear to him. And perhaps the strongest sentence in the script is asked by Clarence, the angel in training, to a depressed George Bailey. He says this, strange, isn't it? 
Each man's life touches so many other lives. When he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? I think one of the challenges of the human condition is our tendency to fail to consider the need that we have for each other. The other is that we fail to realize the impact that our life truly has on those around us. The greatest gift that we give one another we won't find under the tree tonight or tomorrow. The greatest gift that we have for one another is the opportunity that we have to do life together. That God puts us and knits us together in families and then connects us in communities and, and this church that we get to be a part of, not just this local church, but the global church, this hope of the world, God allows us to function together and grow together and become uniquely dependent on one another. We get to do life, not independently, not alone, but we get to do life together. And I would say that my first point in the lesson tonight is simply this, we need one another. Yeah. Don't ever, don't ever buy the lie that you don't matter. Don't ever buy the lie that you're unloved. Don't buy the lie that somebody, that, that people don't care. People care about you. You're cared for. You're loved. If you're part of CCC, and even if you don't even know that you're part of CCC, we, we put the message on the outside today. We put it there uh, last year. It's simply our church is your church. If you're looking for a place to belong, you belong here. If you're looking for a home, you found it. You, you, can, you can confidently read the sign when you come through the doors and know that it's for you. Welcome home. Because this isn't just a building for a select few. This isn't just a crowd that we've kind of monitored. This building is a, is a place where we connect as the church and the body of Christ. And our arms are wide open. As Pastor Matt already said, the red carpet has been rolled out. And you found your way home tonight. Welcome home. We need you. We need you. We need one another. It was God in his word in Genesis chapter 2, 18. He made this summary about man. He said, the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help me. He proceeds in Genesis 2 and the animals are created. And then a wife for Adam is created. Good things, wonderful things, a helpmate. But as time goes on, we know that that was not enough. God allowed us to walk through life. I'm talking about humanity, the royal us. Uh, that Adam and Eve, and then as humanity goes on, he allowed us to know that things, animals, all the stuff in the world couldn't fill the void in humanity. All of the things that we gain, all the things that we gather, whatever we collect, it's not enough to fill the void in our lives. We need one another, but there's still a great need. We need each other, but there is another need because we have a great need for him. We have an emptiness in our life that will never be filled until God comes with his majesty and his power into our hearts. That is why it's so important for us to celebrate this season because we understand that when he came, he didn't come just for that, that one little nativity scene that, that we all celebrate, but he came so that he could become a part of our lives and integrate into our worlds and become the savior that we need. It is not good for man to be alone. We need each other and we need God. 
And perhaps that is why the commandment tells us very distinctly that there are two commandments that all the rest hinge on. Get these two right and everything else works out. Love God and love one another. That's the two commandments. And, and because we need one another, but we need God. And when we love one another and when we love God, we fulfill that distinct need in our own lives. Who would have thought that in, in this Christmas season we could teach the lesson about give, it's more blessed to give than to receive. But that's the truth because as we give, we open our lives to receive what God has in store for us. He came. We, we, would someone just say we need him? We need him. Second Corinthians 5.19 says this, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. God came because he knew that we would need him. I heard four sentences that sum up the lesson tonight. It says this, when we're speaking about Christ, he said, I'll leave my place. I'll come to your place. I'll take your place. And then we'll go to my place. That's as simple as it gets. He said, I'll leave my place. I'll leave the heavenly throne. I'll leave the splendor of heaven. I'll leave angelic realms and hosts and, and people that worship and come, uh, come in, into his throne room with worship and praise. And he said, I'll leave that and I will come to your place. I will come to sinful humanity. And, and this just gets me every time when I begin to think that the God of all glory came down to sinful humanity. But he came. He came because he loved us that much. He came because we knew it was not good for man to be alone. He came. That's why in Matthew 1, in verse 21, it says, She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God knew that we couldn't do this alone. And so God came to be with us. God came to be with us. In 1822, Clement Clark Moore penned the lines of the classic Christmas poem, an account of a visit from St. Nicholas. That's the official title. Most of us just know it as "'Twas the Night Before Christmas." Those lines, uh, how, how often, does anybody, anyone ever just kind of memorize that poem? Anyone wrote your own version of that poem? I imagine there are hundreds upon hundreds of versions of that poem, Twas the Night Before Christmas. I, I remember that there was one year I was working at Maritime Paper, the box mill, and it was just the week before Christmas when there was a huge layoff in the factory. And I remember that a lot of the men were quite disheartened, and a lot of the, you know, the, the, the folks that worked on the floor, they were, they were pretty upset, and, and I, I didn't know. I was, I was saved by the bell. I don't know how I made it through the layoff cuts, I think it came right up to, to where my number was on the sheet. And, and I stayed and others went, but I felt, I felt bad. And so I, I wrote a poem. It was the week before Christmas and all through the mill. I won't recite it for you. But what I thought was just a poem that I 
would write for the guys that were feeling bad about losing their job the week before Christmas ended up landing right in management. And now this piece of corrugate with my name attached to it is before all the bosses. And I'm thinking, my cut is coming next. Temporary or permanent, I don't know. It was the week before Christmas. It was. <clears throat> it was all right. I think they kind of understood. I was just stating a position, feeling bad for some friends. But, but that, that poem resonates. It was written by a dad for his children. It was the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. But I, I, I'd like to just settle on the beginning phrase of that poem. It was the night before Christmas because... I would want to remind us all that it's always night before the Christ comes. It's always darkness before the light shines. It's always darkness in lives. Twas, it was the night before Christmas. It was the darkest kind of night. As a matter of fact, humanity was in the middle of 400 silent years. There was no prophetic utterance. The prophet's pens were laid down. The men of God were quiet and silent. There was nothing happening on the prophetic front. The spirit of God was not moving among humanity. It was dark. Twas the night before Christmas. It always is the night before Christmas. No matter what season of life you're in, if Christ hasn't come into your life yet, you are, you are walking and trying to navigate in the midst of darkness. And the reason that we celebrate this season is because we just want someone to know you don't have to walk in the darkness anymore. The opportunity for light to show up towards the night before Christmas can be your testimony. It can be our testimony tonight because when Christ shows up, he shatters the darkness and the night flees. The opportunity is everybody's tonight to be able to say it was the night in my life before Christmas. It was the night before Christmas. There is a poem I'd like to read. It's a revision, if that's all right. And we can come back to the music tonight. It was the night before Christmas and all through the earth, every creature was stirring, awaiting a birth. The time for Messiah was certainly near. The prophets foretold it. The Bible was clear. From the book of beginnings, the very first thing, God's word made it clear how his grace entered in. Born of a virgin, he'd come as a man, the creator among us. The time was at hand. The stars were arranged to show marvelous things, setting wise men to journey and find the true king. Shepherds in Bethlehem gazed on the sky, longing to see him, their Lord, the Most High. How could they know that the very next night an angel of God would speak words of delight? How the Savior was born, it's news of great joy. And in a cloth and a manger they'd find the dear boy. And a heavenly host would soon join to sing of the glory of God and of wondrous things. He entered creation, set position aside. To show us how deeply his love did abide. Sin sent us away from our almighty Lord. He became one of us. That we'd be restored. He's the prince of peace. He's the one who makes whole. He's wisdom incarnate. A shepherd of souls. He's the author of life. He's the ruler of all. He can offer salvation if on his name we just call. The shepherds and wise men would bow to adore. Holy God among men. Our greatest reward. All glory and honor is due to this king. Let's join in worship. Let every tongue sing. Jesus is Lord. All creation proclaims. He's the first and last. He's always the same. History turned on the first Christmas day 
when God became man in a humble display. As I think of the manger in which he was laid, let our hearts welcome him to the world that he made. Twas the night before Christmas, but now the opportunity for Christmas to shatter the darkness with his great light exists for every single one of us. Zechariah 14 and verse 7 states this, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. In the most uncertain of seasons, in the most unlikely of times, God said, when you just think the darkness has eclipsed us all for good, in that season, in that point of time, the light is going to shine evening time that in evening time in the unlikely time in the most unplanned time it's going to be light it's going to be light we're preaching about revival why because jesus came to bring our world hope we're preaching about what god's going to do in 2023 and i mentioned to the church on sunday i can hardly believe that we're even saying that it's 2023 it's i still how many remember y2k You a smattering of hands through the building. Come on, are you really all under 23? Or just that just gone over and you can't remember? 2023. But here we are in the midst of a season that's uncertain on many fronts. But this one thing we know that in the evening time it shall be light. We have the hope. Come on, towards the night before Christmas. I want this Christmas to shatter some darkness. I'm hoping that this Christmas God comes into somebody's life and when they had uncertainty and when they didn't have direction and they didn't know where to turn and they didn't know what to do, they came to a Christmas Eve service and just heard a little message of hope that God brought your way and in the midst of the darkness a little light began to shine i'm praying that that light becomes so bright that you can't ignore it that you've got to follow it like the wise man did in that little video we played just a few minutes ago come on and your life becomes vastly different and greater why because god is bringing light it's always come on it always was night before christmas but this christmas i'm praying that God would bring the light. <laughs> he came. He came to this world that desperately and absolutely needed him. Like the mythical George Bailey, we can only imagine what our world would be like if Jesus had never been born. James Kennedy and Jerry Newcomb went about the task of outlining some of the good that was brought by the anointed Christ. The work that he did that impacted our world changed things forever. The wonderful picture that they begin to paint in that book, it's a broad brush that represents what Christ has done, what he brought. It, it often gets overlooked and taken for granted by humanity at large. Everything he touched was utterly transformed but sometimes that just gets dismissed against the backdrop of history it gets forgotten because it's so so much a part of the backdrop of our lives everything jesus touched changed 
Jesus said in Revelation 21 verse 5, Behold, I make all things new. And, and someone said it like this. It said that he turned aside the river of ages out of its course and lifted the centuries off of their hinges. He changed his world and in turn changed ours. What, what we take to be so normal and what we often take for granted is the world that he came and changed. The world that we all live in, it testifies of him every single day, even if people refuse to acknowledge it. Even the most prolific atheist still acknowledges him the moment that they date a page with that date. It's an indicator of the life that he lived. Napoleon said, I search in vain in history to find dissimilar to Jesus Christ or anything that can approach the gospel. Nations pass away, thrones crumble, but the church remains. It's still here. His work was so effective and so much impacted our world that, that we live in a much taken for granted society. We don't have time tonight to unpack all the work that he did. Despite humble origins, people that many thought were drunk stumbled out of an upper room to set the stage for the greatest force ever to unfold in our world called the church. We don't have time, but, but here's just a few highlights of what has happened because he came. Because he shattered the night, because he took the darkness and brought light to the world that we live in. The, the world is different. Before, before Christ, before Christianity, there weren't hospitals. But now we have hospitals. Now we have universities. The world's greatest universities began by Christians for Christian purposes. Literacy and education for the masses. That's new. That's because of Christ. Capitalism and free enterprise. Representative government. The separation of political power. Civil liberties. The abolition of slavery both in ancient times and in modern times. Modern science. The elevation of women. The good Samaritan ethic. Higher standards of justice. Elevation of the common man. The high regard for human life. The development of art and music. The countless lives that have been changed and transformed from liabilities in society to assets in society simply because of the power of the gospel are just a few examples of how our world has changed but we tend to take it for granted but that's what happened because he came that's what happened because he looked at lives and said they can't do this by themselves they can't do this alone I am going to come near and near he came he came in that humble manger he came in that humble stable but he came to reach and to save humanity finally his greatest impact in humanity this is the best for last the eternal salvation of countless souls we haven't even seen the result the greatest result of what his work has done but when we slip from this temporal time into eternal realms the work that Christ has done, that he paved a way for eternity, that he did exactly as he promised he would do. He became salvation for humanity. The greatest promise is yet to be seen. The greatest transformation is yet to be realized. 
Don't overlook his majesty on this moment. Don't overlook what he has done. Christ's influence on the world was immeasurable. The darkness of the light of the, of the world, the darkness of the night that existed before Christ was so tragic. It was so dark. It was, it was, it was the night before Christmas. Half of the children born in the ancient world lived past, only half lived past the age of eight. Women were the property of husbands. Half of the Roman Empire's population was slaves. Three quarters of the population of Athens were slaves. It was just dark. It was just ancient social poverty is what it was. It was the night before Christmas, but when he came, everything changed. I like the way that John summed it up. John 21, verse 25, and this is my last verse. And there are also many other things which Jesus did. The which, if they should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. This evening, on this Christmas Eve, it is the night before Christmas. But we're just leaning back to say, God brought light into the midst of darkness. We're just leaning back to say, thank God for the light. That old song said, I saw the light, I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Anybody thankful for the light tonight? I wonder if you would take a moment, if you would stand together with me, and if you would just clap hands because of the light that he brought into the midst of our dark world. It's so wonderful to see every one of you in service with us tonight. George Bailey's understanding of what the impact of his life was changed the way he looked at everything. It changed the way that he viewed his old car, the way that he looked at his old house, the way that he viewed his children that before were just a nuisance and troublesome they became precious gifts and wonderful treasures George Bailey's perspective changed when he realized the value of his life I would like to submit to us tonight on this Christmas Eve that God would like to give you a new perspective a new understanding a hope to realize that life is wonderful it really is a wonderful life God wants to give everyone a wonderful life. And he does it through this gift of himself in our lives today. It's been my privilege to join with you tonight. I'm so glad to be in service with each one of you. I'm glad to just take a moment and declare the word of God and remind us of this ageless story that we get to be a part of. The gift that continues to give in every generation it's still working, it's still giving, it's still yielding. But even greater, it's our privilege to have God's presence in this room tonight. And I'm wondering if we could just pause for a moment, if we could just take a time out of a, reg, out of, out of a come on, just a, a kind of a seasonal service, and if we would just pause for a moment and praise God for His great gift. Come on, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon His shoulders.
His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I, I wonder if someone would just acknowledge that that God is here in this room with us tonight. He wants to turn somebody's night into day. Today. Father, I thank you for your presence tonight. God, I felt just that tension throughout today. God, there was weight attached to this service. There was significance that was connected to what was going to be said tonight for somebody. Lord, your word is ever powerful. It never ceases to do its work when we release it. I ask tonight that someone would see you as their savior. God, I pray that you would dismiss the lie that someone has heard and maybe even believed about themselves that they don't matter. God, I pray that that value that you brought to humanity for every single life would be present and evident in this room. God, I pray that your presence and your spirit would move powerfully amongst every chair. God, would you touch every life? I ask that every family would leave this place knowing that you have a tremendous plan for them. God, as we move through this celebration into this new year, I ask that you would order our steps. God, that you would prepare the path before us so that we would come to know you in an even more powerful way than we ever have before. God, I thank you for that one solitary life that you lived that changed our world. God, that you shattered the darkness with your wonderful light. I pray, Father, that you would let that shine through us into a world that needs what we have, I pray. In your precious name, in Jesus' name we ask. And the church shouted, amen. Would someone just say, Merry Christmas? Merry Christmas. Would you take a moment and greet someone nearby? I'm going to ask if Pastor Woodward would come and he dismissed our service tonight. It's been a privilege to be with every single one of you. We love you very much. Thank you for being with us at Capital Community Church. We're going to ask if he would come and close us in prayer tonight.